Hello and welcome to Biohacking Your Best Life podcast. My name is Amaya. I'm your founder and host. My aim is to connect my listeners to global subject matter experts in all fields of total human optimization so that they can thrive and live their best lives. Today I'm honored and privileged to have Dr. Marsha Makiva uh, on our podcast. Dr. Marsha is a board certified naturopathic doctor. She has supported thousands of people to lose weight, decrease inflammation, balance their hormones and heal their relationship with food. She is also a faculty member at International Hyperbaric Association and a past scientific committee member at the Spanish Association of Hyperbaric Medicine. She is known for her unique ability to inspire and teach clients how to take a proactive approach to their mental and physical health and lifestyle. In addition to her private practice, Dr. Marsha regularly speaks on international venues, conferences and seminars and has recently launched a hyperbaric living podcast. Dr. Marsha, it's a pleasure to have you on our show. Welcome. Hi, hi me. Thank you for having me. Excellent. So, before we dive deeper into all things total human optimization and of course your specialty of hyperbaric oxygen therapy, Uh, let's start with something light and fun tell us something interesting about you that most people haven't heard or don't know about i have two dogs uh it's a mother and a daughter uh they're adorable two maltesers they uh they make my day usually they get up in the morning early and uh i take them out for a walk get some morning light and sunshine um yeah I'm a dog lover. Absolutely. And uh, there's a reason for, for saying like dogs are man's best friends, right? They really uh, you know who are I have uh, seen I don't personally have dogs but uh, others who have their own dogs they're so closely associated and connected with their dogs that it improves their lives for better always. All right. I'm so sure it does. Yeah. Thank you. So when it comes to um, your chosen field of naturopathy and hyperbaric oxygen therapy, just out of curiosity, how and when did you first become passionate about this field? Oh, I feel uh, I don't know as long as I can remember myself. As a child, I was reading Encyclopedia uh, of Medicine, Merck's Manual actually. That's a book on all kinds of diseases um, for fun. I remember I would spend hours and it had such a small font like now I would probably not be able to read it. <laughs> But when I was a child, yeah, I absolutely loved it. Um uh I I like seeing um people transform their health. It dri- it really drives me. I I've transformed my health. I wasn't as healthy as I am now. 20 years ago I was pretty sick. and um every day i can witness uh my patients go through health transformation it's powerful it's motivating it's amazing wow so that's a great example of you turning your passion into your profession and helping others out on their health journeys bravo uh let's decode the words uh, naturopathy and hyperbaric oxygen for the listeners so what is naturopathy 
Uh, naturopathic medicine is an umbrella for uh, different modalities. Um, it's governed by the principles of naturopathic medicine, which is first, do no harm. Basically, uh, it's using all natural ways to restore health whenever possible. Uh, naturopathic doctors are licensed um, and are trained to see because in some situations you would need conventional medicine, especially if it's an acute situation. So we train to do that um, and to be able to refer to the practitioner who can help that particular person. Hyperbaric oxygen therapy is, is a modality. It can be used in conventional medicine, it can be used in naturopathic medicine, basically in any kind of medicine. It's like um, acupuncture is a modality. So hyperbaric oxygen therapy is a modality as well. It involves um, going into a hyperbaric chamber, increasing atmospheric pressure, and there are chambers that um, go increase um, pressure just marginally and go to, for example, 1.3 atmospheres. And there are chambers that are mostly used for divers for decompression sickness that can go up to 11 atmospheres. Excellent. Uh, it's, a, it's a huge difference. So by going into the chamber and being subjected to increased atmospheric pressure, we get increased oxygen in our blood because of the law of physics, every gas dissolves in liquid under pressure. Normally in blood, oxygen is bound to hemoglobin. Everybody's heard about hemoglobin. I mean, it's um, probably one of the most common blood tests out there. So hemoglobin is a transport of molecule. It transports oxygen and carbon dioxide. Normally, it's 97% saturated, which means there are not a lot of sites left for extra oxygen to bind to hemoglobin. When you go into hyperbaric chamber, uh, this oxygen that we're breathing, whether we're breathing uh, it through the oxygen concentrator or just the ambient air, gets dissolved in plasma. So we okay. increase the amount of oxygen that can be delivered to cells and tissues that in turn can help with healing or to produce energy or lots of function that oxygen has in our body, but mostly it's uh, to produce energy. All right. And energy is extremely vital for prevention, you know, and that's what I understood from you as well. When we talk about naturopathy or even HBOT, uh, which is hyperbaric oxygen therapy, these are tools towards preventative healthcare. Right? And they say in the medical field, prevention is better than cure. So why wait till you have in some sort of body-mind dis-ease or imbalance? You focus on balancing your uh, body into homeostasis so that you can prevent dis-ease of the body-mind in the first place. That's where naturopathy and as you beautifully described, just like acupressure is one of uh, an alternative healing modality, so would be hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Now, uh, just again, talking in terms of layman terms, what are the real world applications of HBOT in short? Like, uh, is it good only for athletes or is it for somebody who is relatively doing well and just wants to improve his health and well-being? And what, what are the real world applications basically? So if you look at oxygen as a drug or a supplement, uh, you can use it for many uh, for many things it's used in medicine there well there are 
so-called FDA-approved indications such as carbon dioxide poisoning, decompression sickness, um, um, di diabetic food ulcer, and there are also off-label indications such as uh, autistic spectrum disorder or stroke, brain injury, things like that. So it's used uh, with great success for neurological diseases, things like traumatic brain injury, um, consequences of stroke. Uh, what else comes to mind? Um, cerebral palsy, Parkinson, Alzheimer's, and early dementia. It can be used to improve brain performance as well. So a person might not have a health condition, but they just want to improve. They just want to take their performance, their mental performance to the next level. It's used for all kinds of traumas. It's amazing actually for traumas, the healing happens much faster. It's used in beauty industry because it stimulates collagen production and it helps uh, with um, uh, what are they called the age spots so-called liver spots every woman after the age of 40 knows what I'm talking about so it's really good for that I mean you you would probably need to use it long term um, but it's also amazing for prevention of occurrence of uh, age spots it's used uh, after surgery for healing. It's used in cosmetic surgery. It's used for, if you go and search PubMed uh, for studies on hyperbaric oxygen therapy, you would find tons of information. It's amazing for autoimmune diseases. It's really a tool. It's a tool in the hands of a knowledgeable doctor. You will get a result. Wow, so basically HBOT has such a diverse range of applications from neurogenerative disorders to brain optimization as well as beauty uh, and skin improvement. Are there any prerequisites that an average listener should be aware of in terms of using HBOT uh, in a professional setting or you know, uh, home HBOT chambers? There are no prerequisites, but there are contraindications. So for example, collapsed lung would be a contraindication. Ear trauma would be a contraindication because when you're increasing and decreasing the pressure, you must equalize the pressure in your ears. If there's ear trauma, it's gonna be a lot of pain. Uh, acute sinusitis, for example, again, uh, when sinuses are inflamed by increasing and decreasing pressure, it's gonna produce pain and the patient's gonna be really uncomfortable. There are relative contraindications, uh, pregnancy, seizures if a patient has seizures they need to be controlled uh, when they're inside the chamber if a person is an insulin for example again we need to time um, when they're using the chamber relative to when um, they're injecting the insulin because it decreases blood sugar levels right not by much but for people who use insulin even that small marginal decrease can make a difference other than that, it's pretty safe, especially chambers that are approved for home use. They don't go, um, they go up to 1.3 atmospheres. That's pretty safe to use every day. All right, fair enough. And is there any particular age limit uh, 
that is required that you need to be at least 18 years or above or it's basically can be used as a therapy for anybody who is willing to experiment and use that to optimize themselves i always thought that 18 and above has to do with explicit content on a website <laughs> or a movie no when a baby is born they can go into the hyperbaric chamber uh, oh. there's no limit for when somebody is 100 years old they can use their hyperbaric chamber all right fair enough so i know that you're coming up with your upcoming podcast on hyperbaric living would you share some nuggets about what your experience has been so far with your own podcast hyperbaric living is a place uh, for those who want to learn more about hyperbaric oxygen therapy um i'm interviewing experts in the field uh, a lot of them are my friends um i'm a faculty member at the international hyperbaric association and you know when you're in the field for so many years you basically you know each other right mm-hmm. uh, they specialize in different um subfields of um, hyperbaric oxygen therapy some for example their specialty would be Lyme's disease and one of the modality they're using for Lyme's disease is hyperbaric chamber others are big names in anti-aging um there are people who exclusively see uh kids with autistic spectrum disorder so these are big names and these big names have real stories so they tell their stories their experience um sometimes they give out protocols or like sample protocols they tell um listeners where they can get this therapy if they're interested i think the biggest um challenge within hyperbaric oxygen therapy industry is that very few people know about it we need to spread the knowledge and that's how this podcast was born out of necessity to spread the word to let uh, people know that this is the first line therapy it's not your last resort because a lot of times people come to hyperbaric oxygen specialists when they've tried basically like they come to a naturopath often uh, like a last resort doctor but it doesn't have to be like that a lot of conditions could be helped reversed or maybe stopped in progression by using hyperbaric oxygen so that's um what the podcast is going to do it's going to provide information about hyperbarics and how to integrate hyperbarics with other modalities i really like integrative therapies not like taking this particular supplement and not doing anything else it's not going to do much even if you follow really good clean diet and not doing anything else you're only getting marginal improvement if you add exercise to that really good diet the um uh, effect uh synergistic effect would be much bigger than if you were using two separately you know what i mean Absolutely. same same way with hyperbarics uh, my guests often uh, talk how they time certain supplements in hyperbaric sessions how many hyperbaric sessions to use it's very informative the podcast i learn a lot i've been doing hyperbarics since uh, 2013 and so what it's been eight years Wow. and i'm learning a lot every interview is such a wealth of knowledge absolutely and such a noble and inspiring cause in terms of hyperbaric living to spread the knowledge and awareness about that this modality actually does exist 
and it has been evidenced and proved to be very effective in faster healing and has a diverse range of applications. So keep up the good work. This is really good to hear. So I just have one last question. So far in your experience, uh, could you share a super success story that comes to your mind when it comes to the application of HBOT on somebody where you feel like uh, either with some other practitioner or yourself where you saw a, a person really Yes, improved. I've had a patient, um, a 13-year-old girl. She's had birth trauma, um, hypoxia, which is lack of oxygen during birth. She received many diagnoses. Neurologist was her best friend since she was a baby. She came to me when she was 13 because she's had excruciating headaches and migraines. And that prevented her. She was a brilliant, she is, she's a brilliant student, but those migraines and headaches prevented her uh, go, to going to school and participating in all the activities. Like she was really missing out. When she'd get those headaches, she would stay home for maybe three or four days in bed. Uh, she's tried many things, um, medications, physiotherapy, all kinds of stuff. Nothing really helped. So we decided to try hyperbaric oxygen therapy. I think by session 10, we only did ambient air, so we didn't even use um, the oxygen first. So by session 10, she said that she hasn't had an episode since she started. Uh, I think it took her 30 sessions. We added supplemental oxygen after the 10th session. So it took her 30 sessions to be able to stop hyperbarics for some time. She was able to keep the result for three or four months. And then she would do just uh, maintenance sessions like once, once a month or so. She's still coming once a month. I think she loves her hyperbaric sessions. She would draw inside. She would take her pencils and crayons and uh, she would make those beautiful uh, drawings inside the chamber. So yeah, for me, I was very happy. I was very happy because when you see a young person and she really, she wants to live and she wants, you know, to take advantage of all these things around her and she can't because she's bedridden. So she was really happy. She's still really happy. But when she saw the improvement, she was like, wow. Wow, that's a great success story and very inspiring even for our listeners to know the power and impact of HBOT therapy. All right, so moving on from hyperbaric oxygen therapy, let's talk uh, more personally for you as a doctor, as a naturopath and a specialist in this field. What is your personal daily health routine so that you stay on top of your health and well-being, especially given uh, the times that we live in? Um, well, I get up in the morning pretty early because my dogs wake me up, so I take them out. Um, I have my morning coffee and I work. Uh, I'm my best in the mornings when everybody else is sleeping. So that's when I do my work. And I guess, I don't know. And then before I know it, it's, <laughs> it's eight <laughs> o'clock at night. No, I exercise. I exercise daily. I do like six, well, I actually do six sessions a week. I rest on Sundays. Mm -hmm. I eat pretty well. Like I should say my diet is really clean. Um, I've been doing this for more than 20 years and I always tell my patients, this is a process. 
uh, don't think that when you start um, healthy lifestyle, um, they always ask, okay, so how long is it going to take me? I'm, and I always say it's going to take you your whole life because for me, it's been more than 20 years. I'm still learning. I'm still changing things, fine tuning. I use my hyperbaric chamber probably three, four times a week. I get acupuncture. Well, I do acupuncture on myself. I'm lucky, <laughs> you know, I'm trained. <laughs> okay. uh, if I need it for specific reason, like there's some points that I, you can't tune yourself. Then I um, go see an acupuncturist. I get massages. Like I really, I think I spend a lot of time just caring for my health and making sure that I'm at my top um, level of uh, health, so to say, then I can deliver, I can function, I can see my patients um, when I'm resourceful, right? I have a family that I take care of. It's important. It's important. So health maintenance probably takes good three hours of my day. If you maybe four, if you include cooking and shopping for fresh organic foods, you know, therapist that I do. Excellent. So true. Health is the real wealth and we need to make conscious lifestyle changes so that we can focus on every day, how we move, how we exercise, how we breathe, what we eat and using complementary therapies like massage as well that will really enhance your well-being basically. So it's time for your uh, self-care. So when we talk about uh, exercise and diet, which is two fundamental pillars of health and well-being that you mentioned and you practice yourself. Is there any particular type of exercise routine that you recommend? Uh, it's individual and it should be personalized. Uh, I think it's important to understand there's no diet that fits all. There's no exercise routine that fits all. It, it should be personalized. Uh, you either do trial and error or you consult with uh, somebody who knows more than you do you know, and uh, follow their recommendations. Like for me, I eat plant-based diet. I eat meat, I eat chicken, um, I eat fish. I don't eat any dairy. And I try to stay away from gluten. Occasionally I might have a little bit of gluten. I practice intermittent fasting, but it's not like all these changes were implemented in one day. It took me years. It took exactly. me years to really clean up my diet. I do Pilates. For me, this is what works. Um, they're called reformer Pilates. So they're done on special machines. There's a mm -hmm. lot of stretching involved and uh, just uh, major strengthening. Okay. I find other forms of exercise either boring or too intensive. But that's for me, you know, that's, that's what's right. For me, somebody else... Uh, would prefer something else. Like I don't generally recommend running because that really wears out joints and it's not good for the heart. Somebody who's 20 years old might get away with it. Somebody who's 40 is going to feel really feel the impact. Absolutely. So yes, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So implement all these lifestyle changes one go at a time and see after implementation, what is the impact on your uh, particular type of diet that you eat in terms of what is the impact on your health and well-being and exercise and do something that you enjoy. Um, 
every day. So talking about exercise and diet, is there any general, like you spoke about clean eating and you mentioned that you always, whenever possible, buy local and buy organic, right? So local, organic, seasonal, this is what uh, should be an ideal diet? Local, organic, seasonal and available. That should be the diet <laughs> because sometimes you go shopping and, you know, even though broccoli is in season, but it's not, you can't get it. So, yeah, but generally, yes, I buy organic. I see, uh, for me, I feel the difference. Excellent. You spoke about also intermittent fasting. Just for the benefit of listeners, what is fasting or specifically intermittent fasting? And if somebody is willing to try how does he or she go about go about it and what could be the benefits? So a quick note on IF, internet. So fasting is uh, staying a certain amount of time without food. That's fasting. You can have complete fasting without food, without water. But generally, we refer to food when we say fasting. Intermittent fasting is staying without food for a certain amount of hours which are then followed by time in um, like a feeding window in which you consume food, which again are for basically the, this is what we do every day because when we sleep, we don't eat, right? So we, exactly. all inter we all fast intermittently. Now, how many hours of sleep are we getting? Eight hours, maybe six. So if you're only fasting six or eight hours, that you're asleep, that's not enough. Uh, human body should stay without food at least 12 hours. So if you had your dinner at eight o'clock at night, you shouldn't be eating before eight o'clock uh, from eight at night to eight in the morning. Now, this is bare minimum. It's not gonna give you any benefit. It's done uh, to ensure that you don't harm yourself by over consuming calories and food. If you go deeper with it, you would learn that, for example, in traditional Chinese medicine, you have um, stomach uh, that's active certain hours during the day. Well, it's not, uh, it's sleeping at night. Yes. So whatever food you eat late at night is gonna stay in your stomach and it's gonna be rotten by the next morning. It's not being digested. You're not allowing yourself to detox because this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to detox at night. Every single organ, including brain, is detoxing at night. So when I said 12 hours, this is where you should start. If you haven't done any intermittent fasting, just uh, do a conscious effort to stay away from food for 12 hours. So when I say stay away from food, it's stay away from food completely. It's not like I'm just going to eat this little you know bite and that's that's it that's not fast yeah yes. you broke the fast here liquids such as water tea and coffee are generally allowed as long as it's black coffee black tea no sugar no milk no cream nothing like that or, or just regular water not your soda water you shouldn't be drinking that anyways but i'm just you know saying for clarification uh, now, men and women fast very differently. Men are really good with intermittent fasting. They will get all the benefits. It will help them normalize their blood pressure, blood sugar, lose weight, uh, get mental clarity and whatnot. So for a regular man, unless they have 
uh, underlying conditions or any diseases. So they should always consult with their doctor before initiating any form of fasting, right? That's a very wise advice I can give anyone. So let's say their doctor cleared them for fasting. They can mm -hmm. easily go 16 hours without food. For a woman, it's trickier. It's not as okay. straightforward because we have a very different hormonal system, uh, especially for a menstruating woman. So uh, maybe fasting, I mean, a woman should try it and see what, what happens because it's, again, it's trial and error, but generally speaking, women, women are doing much better if they practice intermittent fasting three, four times a week okay. um, instead of seven times a week, you know, so instead of seven days a week, instead of doing it every day and also timing their intermittent fasting according to the phase of their menstrual cycle. Like it would be a lot easier for them to fast in the first half of their menstrual cycle, it would be a lot more difficult in the second half. So they shouldn't go against the nature. If they feel that today they really, they don't have resources to go 16 hours without food, that's fine. Just do 12 hours and then the next day if you're feeling better you can do 16 hours but generally three three maybe four times a week is uh is a sweet spot for some people it's just two uh two 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 days a week there are also people who do much better these this type of intermittent fasting is called 16 8. there's another one that's called 5 2 which means that a person is uh abstaining from food for two days a week so they'll, uh, for example, they'll eat lunch on Monday at, let's say, two o'clock. And then their next meal would be two o'clock on Tuesday. So they were without food for 24 hours. And they do it once or twice um, or twice um, a week. They can do, they can eat dinner then so they'll stay without food whole night then the whole day then another night but that's technically 24 plus 12 36 hours that's a longer fast but again first you consult with your doctor then second if your doctor says it's okay for you to fast you just try different uh, ways and see which works for you better Excellent. Great that you decoded the entire uh, art of fasting briefly for our listeners. So fasting can be a powerful intervention to optimize, optimize your well-being, but do it under expert guidance. Right. And remember, it's different for men and women. So thank you, Dr. Marsha. All right. So we discussed quite a lot of different health and well-being strategies for the listeners. So I'd like to kind of bring it to a closure and summarization. So based on your ears of uh, passionate inquiry into all things uh, for human optimization. What would be the top three strategies that you can give away to our listeners that they can implement in their lives one at a time to improve their well-being? I think first is uh, sleep. Make sure you're getting enough sleep. Um, there are now tons of information on the internet on sleep hygiene. Okay. Uh, you know, to make sure that there's a bright temperature, that your mattress is comfortable, you know, that um, you're getting fresh air during sleep. You can, these are like very simple rules to follow and to start. I think that's enough. You can always go deeper and deeper into each pillar of health. But I think to start is enough to make sure you're getting at least seven to eight hours of sleep. Mm hmm 
The second one is food, um, buy organic, especially uh, meat, eggs, dairy, things like that, but also fruits and vegetables um, as often as you can, you know, search for local farmers, talk to them. Sometimes they won't be certified organic because certification costs money, but they would be growing their food according to organic to principles of organic farming. So you might buy from them, you know, good quality food, which won't come with a, with a high price tag. And the third one is movement. Um, if you haven't exercised for a long time, start with uh, just moving around, you know, mm -hmm. uh, park your car further away and walk where you need to walk. Take the stairs. Um, I don't know, use your use your phone with an app to see how many um, steps. steps a day. Yeah. I mean, aim at 10,000, but you'll be, you'll, you'd be surprised at the beginning to look at it and realize that you may be only walking like 2,000 steps a day. Absolutely. What, get, what, what gets measured gets done, right? So you can even use technology and apps to help you in your quest for optimum oh, definitely. Yes. definitely, definitely. So right there, you have it. Quality sleep, so prioritize sleep and the power of sleep as a superpower in your lives, everybody. Quality nutrition, organic as much as possible, local, fresh, all of those are important things. And third, daily movement. So thank you for these uh, golden nuggets of wisdom. And if anybody of our listener wants to contact you and wants to work with you or get to know your expertise deeper, how can they reach you? Do you have a... Uh yeah, they they can find me uh, on my website. It's www.drmasha.com. Excellent. And I'll leave that website link uh, as well as link to your podcast, Hyperbaric Living, for all our listeners. So thank you, Dr. Masha. It was an honor hearing your life's expertise. And until next time, the journey has just yes, begun. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me.